Okay, so who wants to keep some muscle or gain some muscle, but also implement cardio into the routine? If that's you, today is the episode you guys are looking for. As we all know, cardio is a great way to burn fat and actually lose some weight, but we never want to do that at the expense of precious lean muscle tissue. And so on today's episode, we look at six different strategies that you guys can use in your lifestyle and in your training where you can complement the two areas and get the most out of your training and most out of what you're doing day to day so you can reap all the benefits and results that you guys are looking for. Like always, guys, please like the podcast, give it a rating, share it, comment it, message me if you have any questions. And like always, keep on listening to the Fear Being Average podcast. Enjoy today's episode. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Fear Being Average podcast, episode number 12 of our health, fitness, and performance series. And today, we take a look at a very popular subject and almost a confusing subject to a certain degree, and that's how to implement cardio into your routine without losing muscle. And this is important, um, especially for a lot of clients that I have um, online or, or in person, people that follow me, they typically may get the wrong impression because I don't necessarily advocate all that much for cardio, right? I'm much more in the realm of building strength and building lean muscle tissue because that's the most protective thing that you can have. It's going to give you the best shape. It's going to increase your metabolism. It's going to regulate your anabolic hormones and do a lot of good for your for your body from a protective realm um, as well as an aesthetic and health space. Um, but the aerobic side and cardio, which is oxidative and it takes on the aerobic side of things, is still really good for the body. But people abuse cardio. They overvalue cardio. They they use cardio to burn fat and they use cardio to quote unquote look better, right? But that's not necessarily the best space to go down. But that's the narrative. That's what we've been programmed to think. That's what we've been taught. That's what, what we've been educated on by fitness professionals um, and magazines and online forums and articles that you know promote this well-being wellness side of things, but they're not really that educated in the fitness space, right? They don't really understand the benefits of strength training, resistance training, um, and, and slowly it, and, but surely kind of shifting and that narrative is going more towards the benefits of putting on more lean muscle tissue and women primarily aren't getting as scared of putting on muscle as they used to think. Um, and they're liking how their body looks. They're liking how their posture is improving. Um, they like the toned, lean, muscular look. And when I say muscular, that doesn't mean you're going to blow up, right? They just like how the, the body feels and looks and it's defined. And the only way your body gets more defined and toned is by putting on muscle. So the reason I'm typically anti stop doing cardio at all costs to a certain degree, and it's not, not at all costs, sorry, but um, overdoing cardio is for that particular reason because it's so promoted. It is shared so frequently that I promote a lot more of strength training and resistance training, but that doesn't mean I don't use cardio and I don't use it to speed up results and you know improve my heart health and actually assist in 
building more lean tissue because it actually does assist. And there's a way that we can use cardio to our advantage, not only from a health perspective, but also from a muscle building perspective and a shape perspective. But knowing how to do this and the best ways to go about this and understanding, you know, the physiological demands of, you know, certain types of cardio um, is very important. So that way we don't go into this a zone or state of burnout and that we don't sacrifice and compromise precious lean muscle tissue just for the added benefit of trying to burn a few extra calories that cardio typically does really, really well for us within a session. So on this episode, we are going to talk about six different strategies on how we can best optimize cardio training into our routines without compromising or losing lean muscle tissue. Okay. And I'm a fan of it. If, if you guys follow my journey and follow my story, I am a strength and endurance athlete. So yes, I spend time in both energy systems. I lift really heavy. I enjoy lifting. That's kind of my biggest passion. Um, I love going to the gym. Never got to twist my arm to go. Um, endurance training, I've recently adopted this practice and this discipline because of the challenge. And it gave me something to do after university where I typically came from a very fast twitch oriented environment of football and wrestling uh, and doing things that were more weight training based and transitioned slightly. Uh, I use that word loosely because I didn't quite transition. I didn't give up anything, but I moved towards doing some endurance racing because it allowed me to really chase a difficult challenge. Um, it, was, it had a ton of obstacles and it was just maybe the toughest thing the human body and mind can do. And it was exciting for that particular reason. So I transitioned into doing things like marathon swimming and triathlons and ultra uh, marathons and half Ironmans and Ironmans and ultra in dis uh, distances um, within swimming, biking and running. So I've done it all, all those different disciplines, running, swimming uh, and biking. I've done ultra distances of each of those, which is an excess amount of cardio. Um, a hundred mile run, for example, took me 29 and a half hours to do consistently. That's probably more cardio than someone would do in a whole entire six month, if not a year period. So I'm certainly not against cardio. Um, I'm against people losing muscle mass, thinking that cardio is the be all end all and that they're actually doing themselves more good than harm. And, but in reality, they're probably doing themselves more harm than good when they neglect strength training and they consistently pursue this cardio-based world where they think, you know, it's doing them well, where in reality, they're really compromising some really important tissue and properties uh, within their body that's actually very protective and safe and healthy for them. So let's jump into this episode, guys. So number one, the first strategy here is to pursue conditioning rather than cardio. Um, so yes, conditioning is a form of cardio. It's a form of oxidative training, an aerobic type training. Um, so to just clarify the differences of conditioning and let's just say cardio, even though they both share very similar properties, conditioning is a tool to improve cardiovascular system, but without the intention of losing muscle. Right, So they're tr really trying to provide you a space where you can improve your cardiovascular system, but not at the expense of losing muscle tissue. Conditioning aims to target all the energy systems. So that's the, really, that's the root of conditioning over pure cardio. Cardio targets one energy system. It targets the oxidative system, right? Um, the aerobic system. It is having you run off of 
oxygen, where conditioning is actually going to blend those disciplines together. It's going to be long enough to a certain extent that it's going to require oxygen and fat to be used, but the intensity and, and the potential variety of different exercises is still going to rely on glycogen and will cause that lactic acid buildup. So there is a benefit now of using this tool in your routine where we're actually maximizing both energy. I wouldn't say necessarily maximizing both energy systems, but incorporating both energy systems and really doing a good job of improving your cardiovascular system, but without losing that muscle mass. So how do we go about that? What are some different conditioning tools? In my training recently, my biggest thing is to keep lean tissue, stay strong, right? Strength is more important for me right now than keeping a whole bunch of muscle, but with strengths, with strength, sorry, comes muscle. So I can't afford to lose more and more muscle just to get faster or improve my cardiovascular system because naturally I'll probably get a little bit weaker and I can't justify um, losing that muscle, right? I need it for my strength training purposes. So I've been using a lot of sleds in my training. That's a phenomenal tool. Um, there's a difference between sleds and prowlers. Sled is, is something that kind of is behind you, right? It's, it's, that, it's that small little object that you can put plates on or put different types of load onto. You can carry it, you can drag it, you can pull it, you can push it, um, all that different kind of stuff. You can run with it. Where a prowler is, or you can actually push the thing, and you, it's, it's the bigger piece of equipment if you've ever seen it. So if you don't know the difference, Google sled versus prowler and you'll kind of see the two. They're both very similar, but they do um, give you an opportunity to train, you know, in a different way slightly. Um, the sled is a little bit more convenient. The prowler is a big piece of equipment, um, but both are phenomenal tools that I use regularly. Um, obviously, the gym closed. I haven't been able to use a prowler and I bought a prowler, but I haven't been able to go out and use it because um, I don't want to beat it up and I want to use turf and the turf is closed right now due to this craziness that we need to close down turf. But I digress because I can go on about the craziness of all that. So sleds have been my, my go-to, right? I've been using it on hills and trails, on grass, um, on roads and cements, uh, and cement, sorry, and sidewalks. And it's been a phenomenal tool. It's a great conditioning tool. Like I said, it uh, works all those energy systems. It helps me actually get stronger. It builds conditioning through my muscles. Um, it keeps my muscles feeling strong, looking strong, performing strong, uh, but it also improves obviously my you know, aerobic base as well. Um, other tools that you guys can use at your disposal, kettlebell swings, phenomenal tool to build up all those energy systems, right? You're not going to lose muscle mass doing kettlebell swings, especially if you're using like heavier loads. You know, if you're using 10 pounds and doing 100 reps, yeah, you're not doing a lot of good for, you know, building strength and putting on some lean tissue and building up your posterior chain. But if you're using an appropriate weight, phenomenal tool. I love doing 30 on, 30 off for kettlebell swings um, or doing 50 at a time, which is a, which is a killer. Or you can do you know a whole bunch of reps within a workout. Um, I know there's a 10,000 rep challenge that uh, Coach Dan John has promoted over, over a 30-day period. Um, never tried it. Don't have, have any real interest in trying it. But again, it's a tool that definitely doesn't compromise building muscle or keeping lean muscle and it will definitely improve um, your oxidative system as well um, metcons are a phenomenal tool if you ever look at crossfit athletes they're in phenomenal shape they can do it all for the most part um, they have you know good energy systems across the board they're really strong they're super fit um, they have a 
high level work capacity. I mean, they can tolerate a lot of stress and stimuli, um, and they can do most things endurance wise. Now, I'm not saying they're all ultra runners uh, by any means or, or strong marathon runners, but they can run a strong 5K. They can swim a little bit. Um, they can bike. They're just really fit individuals. Uh, and what gets them really fit and makes them some of the fittest individuals in the world are these little Metcon. Uh, metabolic conditioning sessions they do and, and those typically require um, doing different types of strength training exercises in a bit of a strength circuit so they're using appropriate loads you'll see some of these metabolic conditioning sessions um, that actually are doing and you know require heavy loads they're doing like weighted chin-ups for five reps or they're doing emom so every minute on the minute with heavy you know, barbells for hang cleans or snatches or front squats, right? So they're doing some big compound movements um, that are creating, you know, a very high level, you know, muscle building response, but they're doing it in a type of conditioning way where they're not giving their body the appropriate amount of time to actually fully recover. So they're not trying to move max weight necessarily, but they're moving a sub-maximal weight very quickly with very little rest and it's a phenomenal tool to build up one's conditioning um, build up some lean muscle tissue you know the short rest periods can actually be very advantageous to do so um, but they also help you build up your aerobic capacity because it's making you perform on very little rest um, so you'll see things like pull-ups push-ups wall balls are a staple um, now in a new sport called high rocks um, wall balls are a critical thing and again that's very metabolic conditioning um, dead ball slams thrusters are a staple of metabolic uh, conditioning sessions, burpees, for example. So there's a lot of different variations of how you can put together a Metcon. Um, you can't really go too wrong with it, uh, but doing some big power movements um, in a safe manner tend to be quite effective. Uh, but the exercises I mentioned are just basic staples that you can put together in a routine. Weighted lunges um, are very appropriate and, and often seen in these metabolic conditioning sessions. So there's a lot of things you guys can do. Kipping pull-ups, for example, and again, so all these movements, as you can tell, they're all muscle building movements. You can put those into a bodybuilding routine. You do them differently, but they are in most bodybuilding routines, right? For example, maybe not wall balls and slams and thrusters necessarily, but the pull-ups and the hang cleans and the lunges and the squats, all those things are staples. So again, they're just doing it in a way where they're making you work a little bit harder and a little bit faster, okay? Um, hill sprints are a staple in my training to build up my conditioning, whether you're doing you know quick hill sprints of anywhere from eight to 12 seconds to doing longer hill sprints of 60 seconds or three and a half minutes, for example. Um, you're not gonna notice a whole bunch of muscle come off your body. If anything, you should really build up some durable, bulletproof, strong, hamstrings and glutes and hips um hill sprints are great for that there's just so much muscular engagement that takes place on something like that and you'll notice your heart rate it won't take long for your heart rate to jack right up um it will get way above your maximum aerobic capacity very quickly probably within 20 seconds or so it will really start relying heavily on you know a lot of deep breathing and your heart rate is going to spike up fairly aggressively so obviously you're building up your oxidative system when you're in that zone just be mindful that it's quite stressful on the system and you're going to need some recovery right just definitely be mindful of that and then you have different sprint type things on cardio machines so typical and some of the best cardio machines you guys can use um treadmills on an incline like i said i love incline anything incline just engages the musculature a little bit more uh typically the posterior chain is, is 
heavily relied on. Um, rowers, uh, ski ergs, stair climbers, for example, most of those require full body engagement, more so rowers and ski ergs, for example. Um, and then the one with the, the bike, I forget what it's called, but you're moving your hands um, as, as you're on the bike. Um, I forget the name of it. But yeah, those three are really powerful movements. Uh, and like I said, it requires full body, full body you know, engagement through the core, through the shoulders, through the biceps, through the triceps, through the quads, and the hamstrings, and the glutes. Um, so those are great machines that you can sprint on or you can try to you know, burn X amount of calories on. Something to burn 15 calories as fast as possible um, requires a ton of you know, muscular demand, but also heavily relies on that oxidative system as well and it's going to jack your heart rate up and those are those short little sprint intervals that work phenomenal at building up one's conditioning without compromising muscle so those are some things that you can really put into your routine just know that the, when the intensity is higher and we're going to get more into it as we go on here when the intensity is higher there is a higher stress demand and when there's a higher stress demand that will increase our body's cortisol production right which requires more recovery and can actually suppress muscle building, right? If we don't recover appropriately, if we don't eat the right foods and we don't uh, you know, take in sleep appropriately or do the right thing. So you can't constantly abuse your body with these high intensity sessions. Um, it's typically a bit much, uh, but that's where fueling and recovery really plays a huge role. Okay, guys, moving on to number two here, we're gonna look at the aerobic zone training. Um, I'm going to talk about running specifically, something I've been you know, playing around with quite a bit right now. Uh, there's five zones, and zone two to three is kind of where you want to be in when I talk about aerobic zone. Uh, once you start going into zone three, or sorry, four and five, that's when your cardio becomes more anaerobic, meaning that we rely more on the glycogen and glucose stores, right? Again, that's a high stress thing. If we're trying to burn fat, right, and that's why we're typically probably incorporating cardio into our routine yes it's for our heart health but typically we look at it okay how do i burn more fat and cardio is a great tool for that but again we don't want to do that at the expense of muscle so training within that zone two or three is going to be really effective so what is zone two or three it's 50 to 70 percent of your maximum heart rate okay zone two is about 50 to 60 percent zone three 60 to 70 percent of your max heart rate take a pen out Grab some paper. Here's how to calculate your maximum heart rate. And this is um, from a medical journal that they've used this formulation. It's 208 minus 0.7 times your age. So if we want to do the math together, you would first do 0.7 times your age. So if I were to do that on a calculator here, 0.7 times 31, that gives me 21.7. So then I would do 208 minus 21.7. 208 minus 21.7 that gives me 186.3 so that would be my maximum heart rate okay so now if we do the math behind that if we're training it in a zone two or three which is 50 to 70 percent i would do 186 times 0.5 which is 50 percent that gives me 93 beats per minute quite low very low almost a, a brisk walk for example or we do 186.3, we'll times it by 0.7, as that's the high end of zone three, 130 beats per minute. Okay, so from for me, in my particular situation, we'd be looking at 
90, whenever I had 6 to 130, is that zone 2 or 3 running. That's really slow. Um, the faster you get within those zones, you're going to be able to accumulate greater distances while keeping your heart rate at a lower level. But those types of aerobic sessions that are very slow in the grand scheme of things, right? That's going to make my 5K time go up dramatically, right? Even when I keep just below my maximum aerobic capacity, which is 180 minus my age, so 149, there my 5K time, for example, my mile time um, is quite affected. I, I turn into maybe a, you know, 630 mile guy, you know, for a 5K, let's just say, somewhere in that realm into an 810, 830 mile time right? Because I've had to, I'm training my body to run and perform much lower than my max heart rate, you know, um, that maximum aerobic capacity of 149 that keeps me in a fat burning state. Um, it keeps me relying more on fat to obviously propel myself through the, the workout and it creates a more of a low stress environment, but really low stress. That's probably about moderate intensity right below your 180 minus your age formula, the zone two to three, which I said 96 to 130 beats per minute for me. That's where you really want to be in terms of, you know, burning the fat and not relying on glycogen or glucose stores whatsoever. So this keeps the stress low, um, you know, and we, we know when stress is high, cortisol eats away at muscle. Uh, it beats down the immune system, it affects our sleep. So it does a lot of things that actually get in the way of recovery and, and recovery obviously helps with, you know, promoting those anabolic hormones that help our body function optimally and help us keep as much muscle mass as possible and perform at high levels, right? And if we don't have those recovery properties in place or those hormones in place, you know, good luck training hard. If you can't train hard or lift heavy um, or recover um, properly, you're not going to keep, let alone build muscle mass. So those things really get in the way. Now, another benefit of training in this zone, right? Even though it's a slower zone, it's one of those zones that you got to put your ego aside on because you're going to be like, I'm, I feel like I'm barely moving. You know, I haven't trained in the 130 zone yet, uh, beats per minute that is, sorry. So let's just say mid zone three. I know that's going to be really slow. It's probably going to look like a nine and a half minute mile, which is going to be like, what am I even doing out here? But I understand that there is a benefit to it, right? That doesn't mean I always have to train that way, but it's a way for me to incorporate cardio um, into my routine without adding too much stress, burning some extra calories, burning some fat, and, and improving a lot of aspects um, from an oxidative standpoint that's going to help me in terms of you know increasing my volume and intensity in the gym, for example. So a couple things that happen when we focus on that, this low stress zone type of running or swimming or biking, we have the opportunity and growth of capillaries, um, which will help oxygen and fuel get promoted into or pushed into our working muscles. So that's obviously going to benefit. If we can improve capillary density, right, that is naturally going to give our body more to use. So if we have more fuel and oxygen to our working muscles, our you know contractions are going to be faster, they're going to be harder, they're going to be more frequent, and it's going to help us lift weights more appropriately with greater intention. Um, and the second thing that it really does training in this zone 
it creates more mitochondria, which is just a type of cell in our body um, that helps convert oxygen and nutrients into energy. And it also helps, you know, at the end of the day, training the zone produce more ATP. So all benefits. So imagine that we have more oxygen and fuel and nutrients going into our muscles and giving us more energy. What does that do, right? It makes us more effective, right? It allows us to control our heart rate. It allows us to increase volume within the gym. More sets and more reps equals progressive overload. And progressive overload in the gym equates to more muscle mass, more lean tissue, more strength. So you can see how training in this zone, even though it's a completely different energy system and it feels almost wasteful will actually benefit you greatly where if i constantly trained higher because you know i was told to run fast and that's going to burn a lot of calories well we're not taking into consideration that that's very high stress and that might affect us in the gym and two that it's actually not giving us all those benefits that we talked about right because when we're in that high stress environment we're really not improving too much on the capillary standpoint or the mitochondria standpoint right because again the stress is just so high that we're not relying on oxygen as much now we've trans transferred over into the glycogen and glucose stores so it's just one of those things to be mindful of and that's why training in this aerobic zone can actually do you a lot of good um, it just takes you to obviously do the, do the math first you know figure out what that training zone looks like for you and i would do this one to two times per week it doesn't have to be anything heavy when we're talking about keeping muscle mass or building muscle mass and adding cardio we don't want to get too excited by adding in so many of these cardio sessions where it negates uh, or takes over our training sessions, right? End of the day, we're looking for our cardio to complement what we're doing in the gym. And it's important that those aerobic zone training sessions are separated from our strength training sessions. They shouldn't be followed up or done prior to our strength training. Um, obviously, obviously, I don't know if it's that obvious, but it should be the muscle that you train first is going to be targeted most effectively, right? So if I do hip thrusters first, you know, that's going to help target my glutes. And maybe that's the thing I'm primarily trying to grow that which would make sense before I do leg extensions. And, you know, let's just say bench press on a full body day, right? If I'm trying to grow a, a legging muscle, I'm going to do that exercise first. So same thing, if we try to do our aerobic training before we strength train, we're sending mis mixed signals, sorry, right? Is our body trying to become more effective in the oxidative system and the aerobic system? Or are we trying to build muscle and keep muscle? So we don't want there to be those mixed signals. We want to separate our training sessions by at least, you know, six to eight hours. Six is on the low end. Um, you know, obviously for me, I'm training this way and I'm going to be doing events that blur those lines. So my particular situation is going to look different because I actually am going straight from endurance into strength training. But for the average individual looking to capitalize on adding cardio without losing muscle mass, you're going to have to really be more mindful of how you separate your sessions. Um, it can be a great way to add, you know, three strength training days or, re or resistance training days. And then you have two more cardio anaerobic sessions, right? Or you do cardio in the morning because you like to get some, you know, more movement and more steps in your, in your system, uh, in your daily routine. And then you do strength training in the evening. So again, a great way to complement each other. Okay, guys, number three resistant train outside of cardio sessions obviously right we don't want to just add cardio in to our routine and, and get rid of our strength training sessions right some this is that's not no way to keep muscle if you stop strength training you're gonna 
you'll lose the muscle. That's, that's obvious, right? Uh, not saying you can't get it back. Your body responds really effectively. It has that uh, muscle memory to it. But at the same time, that's not a good habit to get into. So we want to make sure while we're doing cardio and while we're adding cardio to our routine, that doesn't take over what we're doing in the gym, right? That might reduce what we're doing in the gym, right? That might mean that we lower the volume. So we will lower our overall training volume. We've gone from maybe five days a week in the gym to three or four. And now we're adding in a couple cardio sessions a week. If you can maintain it, and it works with your lifestyle, you can you know, keep your training sessions the way they are, but you would reduce on the intensity a little bit and you would add those cardio sessions in on off days or in the morning or evening, right? Um, you know, counter to the, the strength training sessions. That's a great way to do it. And when we resistance train while adding cardio sessions in, we want to make sure we're not trying to do cardio in the gym, right? Make those separate. We're not trying to grab weights and replicate what we're doing cardio wise. I'm not going to grab five pound weights and try to do, you know, 15 minutes of jumping jacks or do something stupid like that. We want to make sure when we're training in the gym, we're training our musculature system, right? We are training, building muscle. We're training our body to get strong. We're training in a progressive, overloaded, periodized format, right? We want to actually see progression even when we're adding cardio. Like I said, cardio can be something of a complement to what we're doing in the gym when we do it appropriately. And that's typically what we see when someone adds cardio in. They go into this full-blown mode of I'm going to do cardio, plus I'm going to do all hit sessions, plus I'm going to go into a calorie deficit. So they're doing all these things that scream cardio, right? Now strength training no longer becomes strength training, becomes training with weights in a cardio format and it creates this high stress environment as well like our body needs rest to to grow in the gym so doing these crazy everyday hit sessions isn't the best thing for you whatsoever it's actually adding a lot of stress to your system especially if we're doing all those other things like adding static cardio and reducing calories because we're trying to burn fat and a calorie deficit is going to help us do so so you can see how quickly one move turns into two or three that all kind of look the same but are different, but they all do one bad thing, and that's create a very stressful environment. And all of a sudden, now we lose a whole bunch of muscle as we lose weight, and we want to be very mindful of that. So when we're trying to lose a little bit of weight or we're trying to you know, improve fat-burning effects and we're adding cardio into our routine, that that doesn't justify poor strength training programming. We still want to make sure we're lifting heavy. We still want to be on a plan that promotes progressive overload and that we're actually trying to add some sets or add some reps or add some weight or improve range of motion. Whatever we're trying to do, we're doing things with the intention of being as strong as we were, if not stronger. And if we're in a calorie deficit you know, while we're doing this because we're really trying to maximize a little bit of that fat loss and the weight loss, we need to be mindful there's a good opportunity that we're not going to get much stronger, but that doesn't mean we don't have to, sorry, that doesn't mean we have to lose strength. I can still go through what I'm doing right now. You know, so far this week, I did 10 miles on Monday. I did seven yesterday. I'm going to accumulate three more today. So I'll be at 20, you know, four days in and, you know, probably, you know, finish off around 30 by the end of the 
end of the week and maybe a couple you know bike sessions as well can't jump in the pool right now but i would necessarily equate that to me doing me much harm but again i'm still looking to keep strength levels at a pretty decent amount will i be the strongest i ever was no of course not right that's just i've naturally reduced volume and that's to be expected but i'm certainly trying to keep very strong because that's what my challenge you know dictates but again, I also don't want to lose muscle and, and lose a lot of size, right? I'm trying to complement each other um, in this realm, even though this space is a bit, you know, conflicting. But I'm gonna go ahead and really, in this crazy environment, still show you guys how I can keep a really muscular frame and keep a lot of strength. And that's something I'm very aware of. I still train very heavy while I'm doing all this cardio. I'm not trying to complement the cardio with doing cardio in the gym. That would be a waste of time, and then I would create this huge stressful environment, and I would lose a lot of strength and muscle, and of course, that gets right in the way of what this whole podcast is about. So we got to make sure when we resistance train and we strength train, we do so appropriately, and we do so with intention, right? So don't think that we need to add on more cardio into our routine within the gym. That setting is still for you to get stronger and lift with appropriate intention. Okay, guys. Number four, walk. Plain and simple, walk. How do we add cardio into our routine without losing muscle? Walk. Move your body. Take more steps. Really simple, really undervalued. Um, It's something that we don't put much appreciation onto, um, unfortunately, right? I think it's slowly, you know, turning around. Obviously, now with COVID being what it is, um, and mental health being an issue and people sitting down way more at their desk and not getting a whole bunch of, uh, what's the word, conscious movement or unconscious movement where they're having to go from at least their bed in the morning to outside and then from outside to their car, to car to the work. You know, at least they have some, you know, here's some easy movement that now we might not be getting, right? So walking is becoming even a bigger issue. And with that, People are having more hip pain, more knee pain, more low back issues. Um, we're very sedentary. We're gaining weight. We're becoming more obese. Inflammation is increasing. Um, Hypertension is increasing. Um, diabetes are increasing. So there's so much going on right now that if you want to add cardio, simply walking more, getting more steps is going to be a huge first step. And this is usually the first step I take with clients, right? If they ask me, hey, Brent, I want to burn more fat or I want to lose a little bit of weight, I say, go up your step intake. What do you, how many steps are you taking right now? They tell me their day. Hopefully they're not lying to me. Um, we get them to track it because obviously I'm not expecting them to know how many steps they get. But if I look at their day and they don't, aren't tracking right now, I go, okay, well, here's an opportunity. You, you don't walk all day long. And basically all you're doing is, you know, that, that neat, right? you're getting that non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So you're just basically accumulating steps through going from the kitchen to your desk, desk to, the grocery store to get gas, whatever. You're not really doing anything with intention. So I'll say go go for a 30-minute walk in the morning or do a 15-minute walk here, 15-minute walk in the evening. Um, that's the first thing I do. And then once we actually track and I see steps, then I can understand more appropriately, okay, we're only getting 4,000 steps a day. I'd love for you to increase that by two 2,000 steps this week and, and then 4,000 steps a week after. And then let's see if we can get in the 10,000-step club, right? That's a, that's a great goal to have every single day, anywhere between eight to 12,000 steps. And just doing that alone, you'll notice over t- eight to 10 weeks, 
that's going to show. There's going to be a ton of calorie burn connected to eight to 10 weeks of consistent increase of steps, right? If we're in that eight to 12,000 steps per day, you will see a dramatic difference. The reason being, even though you're not burning a whole bunch of calories while you walk, that's a lot more than what you were doing. Two, very low stress and cortisol output when you walk. Like it's, it's not a stressful thing. It's easy going. It increases blood flow and oxygen flow. So it's amazing. You are actually having you know, a lot more opportunity for development through the mental health space and reducing stress, stress levels. So all those things that you're doing, it relates to better livelihood, right? It, it equates to greater well-being. And those things always make life easier, right? When we can reduce stress through activity, it's going to 100% affect weight gain and how we sleep and hormone regulation. So it's one of those underrated, undervalued things that people just completely neglect and they think they constantly have to get their body in a state of activity and workout mode to burn fat and lose weight. But realistically, you want to complement building muscle and keeping muscle, just step more, right? Such an underrated tool and resource that people really neglect. And, and there's different ways to use it. You can do hill walking, which I love because it creates uh, greater engagement for the mus- muscles, right? You're going to get way more engagement and strength through the glutes and the hips and the hamstrings and the quads than you would by just flat walking i'm going into nature naturally we'll have a little bit of um the ascent and descent as well to that one so you're going to get those natural flows of hills within the tra- in, within the trail sorry uh, but then even just being in nature right very soothing very therapeutic and that's going to help reduce stress increase mental clarity and overall feelings of well-being uh, and release some really good feel-good hormones so and chemicals. So, so many benefits that go outside of just the physical when we walk. Uh, tons of mental, and the mental is a huge aspect to us really capitalizing on, on how we can add cardio and, and keep muscle mass, right? Because I think we undervalue how important stress management is and how important getting proper sleep is and intentional movement regardless of how many calories you burn in that session, is going to really help complement stress management and your sleep patterns. Okay, guys? So definitely get out there. Make sure you walk and just take advantage of it. Mornings, afternoons, evenings, simple stuff. Make it part of your routine. Make it habitual, and you will notice a huge difference within eight to 10 weeks. Give it time. You should enjoy it. It shouldn't be a chore. You should actually look forward to it. Um, and it makes you more productive, which is awesome, guys. It's an added bonus, right? Studies are pretty you know, conclusive on that. Every 45 to 90 minutes or so, getting up from your desk for 15 minutes, moving your body, it actually allows greater productivity to occur just through creativity and, and a clear mind. Okay, guys, number five, one you've probably all been waiting for, asking why isn't this guy talking about, but interval training. It kind of complements what we do with conditioning, and I mentioned uh, with our meta, uh, Metcons and the sprints on the cardio machines, but interval training can be done with body weight. It can be done with basically anything you have just done at a very high speed and high intensity. So interval training, very effective, tons of research and tons of books 
um, on this. Obviously, you know, hit training it became a huge phenomenon uh, within the fitness space. Very effective at burning fat and burning calories and actually preserving muscle mass. We're doing it appropriately. Um, but again, be mindful. Very stressful, right? Doing hit training and moving your body in such an high intensity is stressful to the system. So we need to be very mindful of that. And this shouldn't replace what you do in terms of strength training. You should still strength train, but this is a great add-on to your routine, maybe once or twice per week, depending on how you structure that and how many days you are working out, right? Um, Why it works so well. So interval training is something that actually promotes lactic acid. Okay, lactic acid, when you hear that, you typically you know, see it as a bad thing, but it's not, right? Um, lactate actually is maximized during intense efforts, which we know around 30 to 60 seconds. And basically, if you don't know what that means, think about when you're moving your body at an intense rate, all of a sudden you get that burn feel through the muscles and your legs stop moving as fast or as efficiently and your arms stop moving as fast or efficiently. Well, that's because lactic acid is built up in those muscles, right? So all of a sudden it's really slowed you down and prevented you from moving as effectively. The good news is though, lactate actually suppresses myostatin. So myostatin is a protein. It's a protein that actually inhibits muscle cell growth. So let's think about that. If lactate suppresses myostatin, a protein that inhibits muscle cell growth, which means more myostatin equals less muscle, lactate is actually a beneficial thing for the body, right? But again, to a certain point. That doesn't mean get more lactate and it's always more lactate. Of course not, right? We need to be mindful of it because it has that stressful aspect to it as well. But just know that it's actually doing us a lot of good when we build up that lactic acid at points because it is suppressing certain you know, chemicals and proteins that get in the way of us building lean tissue. So the key when we're doing interval training is to work at a pace and speed and intensity that is way above your aerobic capacity, which is that 180 minus your age formula, right? I'm sure there's other ones out there. That's called the Maffetone method. It's pretty, you know, widely acclaimed. You can always do some lab tests to find out exactly what your maximum aerobic capacity is, not your max heart rate, but your maximum aerobic heart rate is, um, and play around with that. But anything that pushes you well beyond that, and you're working at a rate where you can't keep going for more than 30 to 60 seconds, perfect. We found what we wanted. That's where we want to be and typically you'll do workouts like that and, and you'll be so taxed your breath will be so heavy and your body basically won't be able to go longer than that 30 to 60 seconds if you're doing it appropriately okay so really effective um, a lot of different ways to go about this you guys can do tabatas which is 20 on 10 off that's probably the most widely acclaimed and known type of interval training that people use it's a four minute um battle basically it's 20 on 10 off for eight rounds but you can do anything right it can be 45 on 15 off 30 and 30 30 and 20 doesn't really matter just move at intense speeds and have much shorter rest just enough rest to give your body a little bit of alleviation and then get right back into it so they're not crazy long ones um now you can complement that don't get me wrong you can definitely do hill sprints for example and then you can rest 10 times the amount you are working. That is considered interval training, right? Absolutely, you can run up a hill for 10 seconds at max speed and capacity, come back down and rest 100 seconds, right? That would give you 
10 to one rest to work ratio, that is still considered interval training. It really just depends on the intensity of the movement. If you're doing something like, you know, mountain climbers, or you're doing jumping jacks, for example, you don't need two minutes of rest, right? That would equate to something like 30 on 30 off, for example, but the more demanding the movement or exercise, for example, at a very high speed or pace, you'll want to complement that with longer rest periods, but that is still considered um, interval training. EMOMs, every minute on the minute, is interval training, right? That could be five seconds on, 55 seconds off. That is still called interval training, right? It's just high intensity training, guys. Keep that in mind. Don't let me overcomplicate this for you or don't comp- overcomplicate it yourself. Just think work at very high intensities is not hard to find a high intensity workout online. It's really easy to do. Just move your body really fast and then complement that with some sort of rest period. If it's lower end body weight stuff that isn't overly demanding, shorten the rest up, match it one to one or you know, two to one work to rest ratio, whatever you want to do. If it's more demanding, that it really feels like it actually hits uh, the musculature as well, yeah, you can take way more rest and it will do you a lot of good, guys. So interval training, great way to add into your routine, great way to add some cardio and fat burning effects into your routine without compromising lean muscle tissue. Again, this should not replace what you do in the gym. The gym is still uh, an environment for you to build muscle and that requires longer rest periods and appropriate time under tension and enough metabolic stress and mechanical tension to actually promote that muscle building signal. Okay, guys, finally, we're going to finish off here with nutrition. Big pause, nutrition. So cardio without losing muscle, this isn't cardio, obviously, but I would be doing you guys a disservice if I didn't talk about nutrition. We want to make sure that when we're adding cardio in to our routine while we're strength training and the two are complementing one another, that we optimize what we're doing nutritionally. So what that looks like, a few different categories here, protein must be high. We can't afford to be eating 50 grams of protein. We want to be somewhere between 0.7 to 1 grams per pound of body weight. If you're an obese, overweight individual, take that 0.7 and 1 grams and times it by the lean muscle your body has, lean skeletal tissue. Because you could be 280 grams, 280 grams, you could be 280 pounds. I don't want you eating 280 pounds grams of protein, right? Um, you, you don't have 280 pounds of lean tissue. You have a lot less than that. You have a lot of fat on your body, right? When you're obese or overweight. So you want to find out how much skeletal lean tissue you have and then times that by 0.7 to one gram. If you're someone of average body weight, for example, you have a little bit to lose, that 0.7 to one gram per pound of body weight is going to be very appropriate for you guys to take in protein. Why is protein so effective well it's very satiating for the system Um, obviously it helps promote cell growth and tissue growth and muscle development and increases muscle protein synthesis which is the growth of new proteins which is exactly what you want after you work out Um, and it's very protective from a range of things like increasing your metabolism and, and keeping a lot of muscle on your body and also helping with recovery right especially for adding in cardio with strength training We want to do anything we can nutritionally to not 
allow muscle to fall off the body. And protein is your number one go-to thing that you do not want to sacrifice whatsoever. And if guys, if you're only eating three meals a day, protein must be on a plate on each of those. I always, general rule I tell my clients, especially when they're starting out with me from a nutrition program standpoint, is protein has to be a must on all your meals because three meals a day, most people are taking in 20 grams of protein. That's 60 grams of protein in a day. Still way too low for most people. Um, even if you're eating six meals at 20 grams, we're right at the the brink of 120, right? So it's still very, you know, not not very high if you really think about it. For someone like myself who's getting around 180 to 200 a day, um, obviously you have to be very conscious. I'm taking down some meals of 50 to 60 grams of protein within one meal. You have to be very intentional with this. Uh, you can't just fall ass backwards into eating one gram per pound of, uh, of protein per pound of body weight, right? Now, when we're doing cardio and adding in a whole bunch, uh, not a whole bunch, but we're keeping our strength training sessions, we don't want to diet excessively for too long, right? We want to have a moderate caloric, caloric sorry, deficit. What I mean by that, anywhere from your calorie maintenance minus 200 to 250 calories, that is a sufficient deficit. See how your body reacts that way, right? Does your body lose a pound? That week, that's probably a good, you know, good ratio, probably a, a good place to be. If your body stops losing weight or you don't really notice, you know, body composition improvements, maybe take 100 calories away. You don't want to be someone who just drops from a maintenance of 200 calories, to, sorry, 2,000 calories a day down to 1,200. That is a dramatic drop of calories. 800 cal- calories is huge. That is definitely going to promote muscle loss because, again, if we're not taking in a lot of calories, your body doesn't see the need for muscle and strength, and it's going to get very efficient with calories, and it's going to start um, you know, getting rid of excess tissue that the body doesn't need and is getting in the way of us actually living effectively and staying healthy. So we want to be very generous with how we decrease calories. And like I said, that 200 to 250 below maintenance is a great place to start. And then you can monitor it from there. Um, you don't have to look at the scale, but you can look more at how your body composition uh, reacts to that uh, calorie deficit. But again, be mindful because the, the lower the calories are and the longer you're in a deficit, the higher the cortisol gets, right? Our body becomes very dependent on cortisol at that point. Uh, the more cortisol we have in the system, the less testosterone we have and the less opportunity we have to maximize growth hormone or you know IGF-1, all these powerful anabolic hormones because our body is in this constant state of high stress. At that point, it'd be chronic stress. And like I said, throughout the whole podcast, uh, if we keep going into environments or spaces or workouts um, or a nutrition program that ups our stress levels by increasing cortisol, you know, we really do ourselves more of a disservice than anything good. So be mindful of that. Uh, we want to keep carbs around. We don't want to get rid of all the carbs. Um, as fast as you'll see weight come off, it's not good weight. Um, you know, you definitely don't want to do that again. Lower carbs increases, guess what? But stress and cortisol, right? So Again, not a good environment, especially if we're in a deficit, especially if we're adding in cardio and we're still strength training. We want carbs around, right? Car- carbs help regulate cortisol, um, you know, promote those anabolic hormones. It improves uh, training performance, 
which is one thing we do not want to compromise. We want to make sure that we're training in a healthy manner and we're training appropriately and we're training with proper intention and strength. We don't want to compromise that area because we're definitely going to lose strength and muscle if we can't train effectively because we're working off 40 grams of carbs per day. Like Good luck training. Um, good luck having appropriate sleep and recovery. Um, it's going to get in the way of so many things, right? And we don't want to do things that promote a huge lifestyle change where you see this dramatic effect of lower libido, lower energy levels, poor performance. Um, that's not doing you any good. That's going to give you a very soon to be failed result. It's going to give you a quick desired result, but again, it's going to do you a lot of harm in the long run. And it goes in complete conflict with what the podcast is about. And it's actually going to have you lose muscle mass. Carbs fill you out as well, guys, Um, especially post-workout. Our muscles are most sensitive to carbohydrates post-workout. And it's actually going to help you know, drive those nutrients into your bloodstream. It's going to help promote recovery. It's going to help promote muscle protein synthesis. Um, it's going to help promote, you know, the insulin response that we want post-workout. It's going to do us a lot of good. and It's going to make us feel good. Carbohydrates are a main, our primary energy source, especially when it comes to strength training, anything anaerobic. Uh, so imagine your weight training with low glycogen and glucose levels. Um, your body's going to feel like shit. You're going to perform really poorly, and, and so many other areas of your life are going to be affected, and your body's going to be more in recovery mode, and you're just not going to keep the muscle mass that you want. So don't make that mistake. Don't cut out carbs. Carbs, your friend, especially in a deficit, especially when we're adding in some cardio um, and still continuing to strength training because we want to keep muscle, right? We're, we're people that actually care about you know, keeping muscle here, we're not uh, obsessed with cardio and, and we don't demonize strength training on this podcast, right? Because that's just stupid. And we're not a stupid podcast. We're a smart podcast. Um, and then last thing on the protein uh, or the nutrition side of things is keeping the sodium relatively high, right? Again, people demonize salt. We demonize sodium. Guess what? Sodium is an electrolyte, just like magnesium. Um, we want to make sure that we keep sodium high when we're in a deficit and that we're adding in cardio, right? It's going to help us, you know, repair our muscles more effectively. It's going to help us recover and it's going to keep you looking fuller and more pumped up. So regardless if you, let's just say you lose a little bit of fat and you lose a pound of muscle, right? We don't want that, but let's just say it happens. At least when our sodium is still kicking around in our system, our body looks fuller, right? We fill out our shirts. We fill out our pants more. Uh, There's no worse look than somebody that loses some weight and they lose that full dense look to their body and they look flatter. Flatter is not an attractive look, um, as we all know, right? Uh, Flat arms, flat butt, um, flat shoulders. It doesn't look good. So don't do that. Don't make the mistake by demonizing sodium, by demonizing carbs, by neglecting a whole bunch of calories. Like that's all piss poor information. Um, obviously, it depends on the individual. So I can't say how much of each, but, <clears throat> but be mindful, right? We are going for overall health. We are going for keeping the protective lean muscle tissue while adding in cardio. We're not doing you know, something at all costs just to weigh a certain weight or look a certain way. We are trying to add in cardio 
into our routine and complement strength training, complement building muscle, um, as that this is what the podcast is all about, guys. So there you have it, six different strategies, six different areas to look into that you guys now have access to and more greater understanding to and how you guys can actually take cardio, put it into your routine, and have it complement your strength training endeavors in terms of you looking better, feeling better, and ideally performing better in life, guys. Thank you so much for listening. As always, feel free to check out brandonrinka365.com. I have some free resources like blogs and articles up there as well. And there are different programs you guys can choose from or if you need some more nutrition help, I have an ebook there, or you can join our Train with Brandon program where I help coach you online or give you a general program, a whole bunch of tools, definitely all there for you guys to check out. Or you can check me out on Instagram as well at BrandonRinka365. And that, right now you have the privilege, I like to say, to check out my training, get some deep insight into what I'm doing to accomplish this record-breaking setting challenge, not breaking, setting challenge. I'm doing in July that incorporates a lot of cardio with a lot of strength training. So you're seeing the best of both worlds here and how someone can do it effectively without compromising their health or looking jacked. All right, guys, have a great day and we'll see you on the next episode of the Fear Being Average podcast.